Good morning, church. Would you please rise for our first song?
scripture reading. We're going to do a little bit different today. Um, if you had a chance to watch the episode for this week from The Chosen, uh, there was a moment, and, and it was kind of um, spattered throughout the episode, where Psalm 77 was read. And the context, at least in The Chosen, was the rabbi was now going to share this with Eden, who is uh, Peter's wife, and it is words of comfort and peace and hope. So we're going to listen to that and hear that. Um, and I love one of the, the, the phrases that the rabbi said. You know, pray this for Peter, but also pray with him. And there's something very powerful when we use scripture and pray those words ourselves, but also with somebody else. Let's listen now to Psalm 77. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand stretches out without wearying. This psalm is desperate, even angry. Do you know who else is undoubtedly desperate and angry? Simon. I know him a little, and I'm sure he's actually very angry. And making that known to others. Perhaps you can pray this with him and for him. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, in his anger, shut up his compassion? But that's not the whole song, is it? 
Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God that works wonders. You have made your might known among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Please bow your heads. Great and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for your word, for that passage from Psalms. That, Lord, we know that uh, as we come before you this morning, humbled to be in your presence, we know that we are sinners, and while we are sinners, you still love us and you still care. And, Lord, we know that all of the troubles, all the strife that we go through in this life, we know that you're the one that, that holds everything. And so, Lord, we turn to you this morning and we ask for your forgiveness and for your mercy. Lord, this morning we also ask that you bless our time together in the message we're about to receive and the music we're singing. And Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.
Come on up front for the kids' message. Yeah, come on up. Find a seat up here on the floor. <laughs> Have you guys seen the movie Cars? Yeah. You've seen it? Yeah. You haven't seen it? Have you guys seen the movie Cars? Yeah. A lot of people have seen the movie Cars. It's a really good movie. I really like it. And so we're going to watch a short clip of the movie Cars. All right, you guys ready? All right, let's watch the video. Everyone else heads into the pits. McQueen stays out to take the lead. Don't take me out, coach. I can still race. McQueen's not going into the pits. You know, the rookie just fired his crew chief. That's the third one this season. Well, he says he likes working along now. Looks like Chick got caught up in the pits. Yeah, after a stop like that, he's got a lot of ground to make up. Get ready, boys. We're coming to the restart. So we see that Lightning McQueen did not go into the pits, did he? Everybody else went into the pits, but Lightning didn't go into the pits. He wanted to get up to the front of the line, didn't he? He was in a hurry to get in front and to win the race. And there was even one car that didn't want to go into the pits. He was getting taken by a, a wrecker, wasn't he? He's like, I can still race. He couldn't race, could he? He was all beat up from a wreck. Yeah. And we hear that Lightning fired his crew chief. He wanted to do things on his own, his own way. And then when he finally did go into the pits, he wouldn't, wouldn't get any tires, would he? He just wanted gas real quick and to keep going. He was in a hurry to win the race. 
And the announcer said that that was a short-term gain, a long-term loss. And you know what? Jesus has something to say to us when we try to live that way. You know what? He says to us in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the movie Cars is a lot like life, and Jesus is kind of like our crew chief. We don't want to fire him and live on our own, do we? No, we want to listen to him and accept his invitation pit stop and to find rest in him well does anybody know what happens at the end of the movie or, uh, not the end of the movie but the end of the race yeah he wins he wins the next race but this race do you remember like he was he was way out in the lead it looked like he was going to win the whole thing he the announcer even said I've, he's got it in the bag yeah Yeah, he loses his tires because he didn't replace them, right? He took gas, but he didn't stop long enough to get fully restored and take on tires. So he blew his tires on the last turn. Both of his back tires blew, and he could barely move, and he was just creeping along, creeping along, and the other cars came flying up, and Lightning McQueen had to stick out his tongue as far as he could, and it was a tie. So you know what? It looked like he was going to win the race. He had it in the bag, but... That was a short-term gain with a long-term loss, wasn't it? Because then he ended up at the end of the race without tires, barely getting across the line, right? And so we don't want to live with a, a short-term gain and a long-term loss, do we? No, we want to follow Jesus and not fire our crew chief, right? And not do things on our own. We want to follow Jesus and his invitation to us to come and find rest with him. So we want to live at the pace of Jesus, right? And did you know, I don't think Jesus was ever in a hurry. I can't think of a single time in the Bible where Jesus ran. He walked everywhere. And you know what? He even took time to spend resting and eating and spent time in prayer with his heavenly father. So let's follow Jesus' pace, all right? Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands and you can repeat after me. Lord Jesus, help us to come to you. To find rest for our souls and not try to do things on our own, but to follow you. Amen. All right, boys and girls, you can head on back to your seats. Good morning to all as we gather in God's house. A very special welcome to our guests. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, we invite you to come back. We love celebrating this Jesus with you every single Sunday. In fact, every single day. Uh, we'd like to get to know you. A couple ways in which you can do it. You can stop at Next Steps, uh, which is in the family gathering area on the way out of the doors. You can do that. You could text 1C guest to 94,000. You can catch one of us. We'd love to be able to talk with you and get to know your story and get to meet you. A couple quick things. We're going to have prayer in just a little bit. So if you'd like a prayer that would be included in the service, you can text your prayer request to 402-242-5051. And that'll be included in worship. 
Uh, we're also going to have communion. And we believe here at 1C that this is a very beautiful, special, and powerful gift that God gives to us. We believe it's bread and wine and body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. So if that's what you believe, we invite you and encourage you to come and celebrate with us. Uh, a couple quick announcements beyond that. Um, Thanksgiving is coming up. And many of you know, we've been doing it for several years, uh, we host the community Thanksgiving meal where upwards to about 700 people will come in um, or have it delivered and be blessed by a meal. Uh, if you'd like to volunteer, would you please, number one, um, I'd love for everyone to be praying about this event. It's a great way to open our doors and um, just love people who are in our community. And so you could pray. If you'd like to volunteer by serving, you could do that. Uh, if you'd like to bring a salad or something like that, um, I was encouraged to say that because with 700 people coming, uh, the more we have, the better. It'll, it'll help serve. So if you can do that, that would be great. Um, also, if you know somebody that may not have someone to celebrate Thanksgiving with, it might be a great way for you to personally invite them, maybe even bring them to this celebration. All right, also, um, Randy, right? Deep or die between services. Um, what it is is we take the theme for the day that's in the sermon, and we just take some more time and have a conversation. And it happens between the service times. So at about... 10 after 10-ish, right, uh, until 10.50, we just meet right in here, and we discuss, and we talk about the theme. So you can come one, you can come every week, I'd uh, love to have you, and do that. Last announcement, joy baskets. Do you know that there's much joy when we give? It is just a, a privilege we have. As God has given us and blessed us with one blessing on top of another. He takes great joy in giving those gifts to us. Uh, we also can have that same kind of joy as we respond back to him. And we can do it as we sing our songs, as we pray our prayers, as we serve, you know, using our gifts and abilities, and also as we give of our tithes and offerings. So as the Lord leads you, uh, please do so, and you will experience joy from God above. Let's continue now as we celebrate.
One of the things that we believe as a church body is that Jesus is present here. He's here in our midst. He's here in this meal. And he comes to you and me and says, I'm here. I love you. And I want to show you my love by giving you a beautiful gift. And so as we get ready for this gift, one of the things that we do is we take time to confess our sins. We get honest with God and with each other that we are sinners and that we need what only he can provide. His mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. So let's now pray a prayer of confession going to our Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. And the good news, because of Jesus, your sin, my sin, has been forgiven. Because of Jesus, we have a brand new start. And we have hope and peace and joy that comes from Jesus alone. So with that in mind, we continue with the celebration. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. We continue now with the celebration. Every time I face the waves I don't want to be afraid I don't want to be afraid I don't want to fear the storm Just because I hear it roar I don't want to fear the storm I don't want to fear the storm i 
now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Lord, we have a prayer that I find an apartment adequate for my needs. A prayer of thanks that my needs were lifted up last week in prayer. A prayer for my sister Raina, who is in the nursing home and has dementia that is rapidly taking her from us. I ask you, God, to be with her and her family during this trying time. I ask that God keep us all strong and ever knowing of his love and healing. A prayer for baby Jax in the NICU. Be with mom and dad and his medical team. A prayer for a dear friend who is trying to get back on the right track. I pray that he stays focused on you, Lord, in your ways and allows you to do your work through him. A prayer for my mother-in-law, Karen. Lord, please comfort her and ease her pain. Please wrap your loving arms around her and Doug and the family during this hard time. Father, we thank you for the prayers spoken and the ones unspoken because you know what weighs heavy upon us and help us to bring that to the foot of the cross and trust you. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Season 3, Episode 8, which means that this is the last week that we'll be um, glancing at the Chosen, kind of. As I was working on the sermon, uh, there's another part to this episode that I thought it is worth just spending next week on, which is the walking on the water. I just think powerful scripture that we find, and so we're going to be doing that again next week, so hey, you want to come back? Because... We'll do it again. Um, the thing that I love about uh, their logo is it does speak to the truth of what it's like when you follow Christ. There are times when it feels like we are going against everything that the world tells us. And that's what happens when we follow Jesus. He, has a, he flips the script. He calls us to go to places that 
well, maybe the world would say, don't do like what you're doing today. Come into church, right? There's other things you could be doing. You could be having breakfast somewhere else, but you decided to come. So God bless you um, as we are here together. All right, I want to start out with the phrase that you're going to find in Mark chapter 6. It is a phrase that caught me a little bit off guard, and it is going to be referred to um, kind of throughout, but a little bit later. So if I can have that, the quote up there. When they found out. That phrase, independent of the Bible, can mean all sorts of things for all sorts of people. How many of you um, uh, have the blessing and, quote, the challenge of being a parent? Just raise your hand if you would. All right. Let's uh, go through this whole process, right? Not all of it, not all the details. But then there's this moment when you're th maybe the woman is thinking, hmm, I might be pregnant, so they go get a what? A pregnancy test, right. And then they take the test, they look at that, and I can't remember what the, all the things do, but all of a sudden it's like, <gasps> I'm pregnant. And then, you know, you tell the other person, like, hey, we're pregnant. And when you find out, there's all these different emotions. And I'll tell you, uh, with the first one, you know, we had a couple of them, a couple of kids. The first one, it was like, what? And it was life-changing. We weren't expecting it. It's like, wow, right? And then after you do the, the pregnancy test, right, then a little bit later, there's something else that you do. Um, anybody want to just guess? What, what do you do? Yeah, you see the doctor, and then sometimes they will schedule an ultrasound, right, where they take a look at how are things going. And then in this day and age especially, sometimes it's to find out the what? Yeah, yeah the gender of it. And then after the gender of it, I'm just going to tell you this, back in the, like we'll just say 1980s, early, um, the gender reveal kind of thing was, uh, well, I don't even think I had a cell phone at the time, so you couldn't even call. You had to go tell your grand, the grandparents of this baby, like, firsthand. But you, you know that when you go through all of that, so you might find out the gender with this ultrasound thing, but there's a lot of things you won't know that will just happen over time. Like the color of the eyes. Or what kind of hair. And, and even with that, right, after the birth, I mean, things can kind of change. It can come really blonde and all of a sudden turn different colors. I mean, there's just a lot of things that you find out over time. You find out personalities. You find out skills and gifts and abilities. It happens over time. It is a process. Well, today we're going to pause at the feeding of the 5,000. And when we think about the feeding of the 5,000, this is a very important miracle. Now, why would I say that? This miracle is the only one that is mentioned in all four Gospels. Except for the greatest miracle of all, the resurrection of Jesus. So it's interesting, of the two miracles, I mean, the resurrection is like, wow, life-changing. But the feeding of the 5,000 is found in Matthew Mark, Luke, and John. And what I love about reading all four of them, they all have different perspectives. You learn different things as you open up the scriptures, as you read 
the different accounts. So I always encourage you, um, if you happen to have a study Bible, you will find that in the columns, sometimes they'll tell you where else you can find it. And you can kind of bounce around and say, okay, Matthew says this and John says this, but we're going to focus in on Mark. We're going to follow the storyline from Mark's vantage point. So let's uh, go right into the scripture. This is, uh, again, Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. All right. Uh, let's take a look at these two pictures. The first one, again, these are from the chosen. We don't know exactly how it was. You could just see this crowd. And then the next picture. You even get another um, image of this. There are a whole bunch of people gathered together. And Mark tells us that there were 5,000, what? Men. Back then, the culture, that's how they counted. But just picture there were women there, there were children there. So we don't know the exact number of who assembled. But let's just picture it's a big group of people. Maybe maybe upwards to 15,000 people gathered because they were curious about Jesus. I love the way the scripture tells it. Mark says, you know, they were coming from all the towns on foot because they've been hearing and, and seeing things and they just wanted more. They wanted to find out more about this Jesus. So, um, one of the things that can happen when you see you know, that picture or that, that image of a crowd, you could think of this, the words, how many, all right? You can get caught up in that very easily. And in fact, let's go right into the scriptures. This is the response of some of the disciples to the crowd. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Um, I'm going to look at that in a minute, but what was the response of the disciples to how many? Again, they were fixated on the fact that there were a whole bunch of people there, that there was some kind of challenge, and they're not quite sure how they're going to do it. And they had ideas, you know, send them away. But Jesus went a different path. But he answered them, oh, let's go back. Okay. I mean, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And then the next scripture, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five 
and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. So we're going to stop at that point. Um, what was going on? The disciples, they were still trying to find out who is this Jesus. They've been called. Jesus said, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And he, he did that. And they kind of jumped into this. But I think as the time was going, they were finding out more and more and more about this Jesus. And he was revealing who he was. So the scripture says, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set them before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And then we're told, and they all ate and were satisfied. Um, we're going to watch just a little video clip because, I, again, I love how The Chosen depicts this scene. Um, it is. The, the many seems to really get the attention, but we're also going to find out another part of the learning for the disciples then as well as today. Let's watch this. time giving you spiritual food but you clearly need actual food now so let's eat
that very beginning scene, I, you know, we had it start there where, you know, up until then, it was all about how many, right? It was like, okay, look at all the crowd. Look at what the need is. It is so big. How are we going to do this? And then they had the idea, just send them back to their, you know, the towns and they can do their own thing. But when Jesus gets involved, it changes from how many to how much. And it shifted. Now, before it was how many? How many people? How many loaves and fish? How many challenges that they have? But then it shifted gears when they saw in front of them these baskets who were once empty, now full, overflowing. Isn't that amazing? So I, you can kind of watch it happening um, in Mark, in Matthew, in Luke, in John. You could see it happen in The Chosen. Uh, the disciples were starting to find out more. More about this Jesus. Who he is, how he loves, how he can meet the needs of people. The scripture tells us, verse 43, if I can have that next one. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and a fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And uh, this last picture, if we can have that up there, uh, this is the, the moment at the end as the chosen depicts it. You know, they're, they're done. They've witnessed this miracle. And we have, all those baskets are sitting there. So the disciples, beginning to realize what was true about this Jesus, Jesus told them, Jesus kept teaching them, but they, like us, can be slow learners. This feeding of the 5,000, this big, large crowd, shouldn't have been an issue. They, they should have gone into it saying, I can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do, because he is always faithful. He is always loving. He knows what to do at the right time. But it's a process. It's this learning and growing and realizing, and then believing. And what's the difference between the two? Uh, you know, sometimes I think it's the difference between fear and faith, right? The fear of, look at this big crowd, look at this, uh, the many challenges that are, that are there, versus faith in a God who is always perfect. In fact, I think that they began to realize this idea of John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. Jesus was always this. He never was anything but this, but the disciples didn't always understand this. Throughout their walking with Jesus for three and a half years, even to the point when he is now going to be put onto a cross, they didn't always remember how much Jesus can do. They thought how many. How many were the challenges? How many were the struggles? The phrase, when they found out. Let me give you two thoughts, and then I want to bring it to people like you and me. First one, they did not find out until they went through a challenge that seemed insurmountable. Let me stop there. They didn't get it until the challenge was insurmountable. And I'm going to say that in my life, 
sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes when I'm up against something that is bigger than me, a greater challenge than I can handle, when I feel helpless and hopeless, it's those moments where God just steps in and says, you know what, you think how many are the challenges. You think how difficult this might be. But I've got an answer. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking about how many are your challenges. And I don't know what the list is for you. It could be everything from relationship struggles to health issues to finances to uncertainty to worry to grief and sorrow. I mean, all these things can seem so big and how many are your struggles? But just like the disciples, this is the second observation. They did not find out until it was put into Jesus' hands. Remember, five loaves, two fish. That's it. That's all their eyes saw. No wonder they did the equation. Five loaves, two fish, 5,000 men. Not a really good combination. But when it was put into Jesus' hands, what happened? A miracle takes place. And I want us to start thinking the same way. If we're sitting here today and we're carrying a challenge and, and we're, we're doing it ourselves, and I'm going to tell you, I do that really well. I can live independent of God with the best of you. I do it. Sometimes I just feel so resolved to fix it myself rather than stopping in my tracks and saying, okay, God, not how many are my challenges, but how much is your grace? How much is your power? How much is it that you this, this specific miracle touches on one of the I am statements. And if you know what, there, there's seven of them. You'll find them spattered, but especially in John. In fact, here's a, a graphic where we get to see it. Like, I am the bread of life. If you go to John, you see the, the miracle of the, the feeding of the 5,000. And then you have Jesus kicking into gear. And he's telling them, I am the bread of life. And then in that section, he talks about, yeah, you know, the forefathers, they ate manna. That was great, but they died. But I can give you bread. Bread that is unlike anything the world can give. And then you go through the other ones. I am the light of the world. I am the door and the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Let me go back here. When we forget those things, when that is not in the, middle, in, in, in the middle of our radar of life, when we have other things that we're looking at, no wonder we see how many are the struggles. But when it becomes front and center, when we realize that Jesus has much to offer, that Jesus can step into the moments of our lives, whatever they might be, and he provides for us what we need. I was reading a commentary, and I, I just thought it was like perfect. Uh, the person said something to the effect of, uh, why doesn't, like with, with the manna thing, why didn't God just give them something that would last a long time? Just let it be a big storehouse of stuff, and then they could go to it whenever they need it. And the commentator said this, it's because he wants us to come to him often. 
not just once in a great while. That's why when we pray the prayer, and we just did, give us our what bread? Daily bread. See, he is meeting our needs. He's already in the process of meeting tomorrow's needs. He's got that much in his storehouse. And he is taking care of you and me like nobody else can. The final image I'd just like to put up there is the image of the cross and the empty tomb. I mean, this is the powerful message for us today. After all of these years later, Christians throughout centuries and throughout the world focus on the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus because this is the much that God can provide that nothing else can. My prayer for you and for me is that when my fear says how many, God would instill into me and to you a greater faith that would say how much. God, how much have you provided throughout the years? Oh my goodness. And how faithful are you today and tomorrow as I go into maybe uncertain times? Your much is all I really need. So may that good news give you strength today and move you beyond these doors because you have much that you've received but also much that you can offer because there are other people who are needing this reminder of who God is. Let's stand as I share the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Nothing is different nowadays. I lost a few ones along the way. I had to learn to trust it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Every moment I was sure I wouldn't make it through. I was safe because of you. I don't know how, but you take all my pain and you turn it into something better. Ooh, something better. There's not a tear that you let go to waste. No, you turn it into something better. Ooh, something better. kind of love that i never known you took over my heart and you made a home yeah you made a home and all the broken pieces within you put them together rocking and with your new story begins begins hey i don't know how but you take all my pain and you turn it into something better Ooh, something better there's not a Yeah.
Well, if you're in the vicinity, it's almost time for a deeper dive, 10 after 10. So come on in, right down up front here. Deeper dive, here we go. Let's open with prayer. What do you think? Seems like a good idea. Jesus, we want to, we, we do want to take this deeper dive. We want to open up the scriptures and have this opportunity for hearts to weigh in on what we've heard this morning or maybe what we're bringing with us this morning. Help us to be open to the word. Help us to, to get it that your spirit might just be bringing something new and fresh this morning. We really want to hear from you. And so we bring you ourselves in that posture, kneeling before you, saying, yeah, we are sinners. And we have convenient. Thank you for the gift of your body and your blood, which cleanses us. So as we, as we are here today, just kind of, Diving into some questions, we invite you into this sanctuary, into our experience. Amen. Okay, here we go, deeper dive. So, the scripture reading this morning was from Psalm 77, and I think what I'd like to do is just take the time to read through that. So, if you have a phone or you've got a paper Bible with you, would you open that up to Psalm 77? Because if I look out there and I see somebody's got it, got it ready, I'm going to ask you to read a passage. So I'll get started while you're looking. I'll read down to the, to the interlude. Psalm 77. I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. Who can take four through six? 
just read it out. Just go, go for it. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Thank you. Who can take seven through nine? That's okay. We'll just read it again. Seven through nine. Has, this, has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Someone take 10, 11, and 12. Thanks, Lonnie. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty need, deeds. Thank you. Let's see, 13, 14, and 15. Thanks, Jim. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. 16, 17, and 18. Jana, would you do that? I'll, you can use my phone. Starting in verse 16, 17, and 18. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured out rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Psalm 77. There's some things that you can probably have noticed about this, depending on what translation you have. The one I have here this morning is the New Living, uh, Test New Living Translation, NLT. And I like it because they put in here um, where the interludes are at. You know, that's a musical notation. It, it, it's, it's a, we take a pause right there. We stop. And so this psalm stops in, along certain places and allows for reflection, allows time to kind of soak in what's been said. And as you noticed in verses 7, 8, and 9, those three verses, each verse contains two questions. So the psalmist is asking these very poignant questions. I want to read them out loud again and have all of us think about when have I asked these questions? Maybe recently, maybe in, I don't know, maybe in the past, maybe this morning, I don't know. 
But before that, the psalmist is searching his soul. He's pondering. He's crying out. He wants to hear from God. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And then verse 10, and I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. Have you been there? Yeah. Certainly we have. In this fallen world, we're going to be there. But I want to ask, so I want to think about that question. We'll, we'll roll through the rest of the verses because something very significant happens right at verse 11. But before we get there, so here's a question. The question is, it's written here, says, what, what role does Scripture have in your life in recentering you, providing correction, hope, encouragement, and comfort? So we can think about all of Scripture doing that. But right now for our conversation, let's think about this particular psalm, Psalm 77. How might this psalm be recalibrating your life? How might it be providing correction? How might it be offering hope and encouragement and comfort? Yes, the young man in the blue jacket. I could be like uh, Phil Donahue for those of you that are up Anybody remember Phil Donahue? You know, he'd have the microphone and go like this. Um, I think about how this, this psalm and others um, take you back in time to remember when God was faithful. And I think the re recalibration for me is sometimes when you're in the middle of the struggle, you forget about the... God who was very powerful in the past is the same God who is powerful in the present and future. So I think remembering things is a really, really good thing. Just in the right spot today. Other thoughts on this? Thanks, Chris. It's a good reminder. We are never alone. Yeah. So the, the questions that the psalmist asked, okay, there's six of them. And as Jim just said, when you're in the middle of that, not necessarily leaning on the everlasting arms, are we? We're just, where have you gone? I, I, have you abandoned me forever? Let's tie it to what we saw this morning in the clip and in Jim's message. So think about this. Have you abandoned me forever? How would you answer that in the context of what we saw this morning in the feeding of the 5,000? How would you have forgotten me? How could you have forgotten me? Did that group of people look very forgotten? No, not afterwards. 
They might have they might have come and sat down and felt forgotten. And Jesus, as Jim said, flipped the script. Yeah. Other thought other thoughts on that before I roll into another question. Think about the clip. Think about the six questions that the psalmist is asking, which are just filled with doubt. And what, what do you see? Jesus always provides. Indeed, he does. Do you see that they are polar opposites? Yeah. This is how, this is how Scripture helps us understand what Jesus does throughout the Gospels. Here he is feeding these upwards of 10, 12, 15,000 people. But way back when this psalm was written, this was someone who was wrestling with, is God going to provide? And this morning, oh man, we saw it in spades, didn't we? Did he provide? Do you suppose those people, let's start with the disciples. Do you think that at that moment, their lives were recalibrated, corrected, did they experience a new sense of hope, encouragement, and comfort? Say a few words about that. I see Lee back here nodding, nodding, nodding. That means you've got a thought. Well, they were... <laughs> they were obviously comforted. They, you know, how shocked they were, even with everything they'd seen, all the miracles that they had seen God perform up to this point. They'd never seen him affect that many people all at one time. You know, they just didn't consider that he could do that for so many. The thing that brought tears to my eyes was, like you just said, the shock. And, and we all have that shock when, when God kind of hits us in the head like, I had this. But to see Jesus just stand there with a big old smile on his face like... <laughs> Here we are again. Why or how could you doubt me? Yeah. Yep. I think humanity often looks at the scarcity part of life and having the disciples look down at, first off, the five loaves and two fish and trying to do the equation in their head. Like, how is this going, how is this going to work? 